Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This episode we'll talk about roughly the first half of section 88. Um, I didn't mention this uh, in the overview episode. Uh, this revelation was given uh, at the tail end of 1832, um, over two days, uh, December 27th and 28th, and then the last few verses were actually added by Joseph Smith uh, in uh, January of 1833. So it's, uh, I mean, still close timeline together, but not all at the same time. Um, and here again, we have another uh, revelation given uh, over multiple days, which highlights the importance of our need to seek continuing revelation and that the Lord will build upon what he's already uh, taught us. Um, verses 3 through 4 are two of my favorite in the Doctrine and Covenants. It's something I refer to often, I think about often. The Lord promises us, he says, Now I send upon you another comforter, even upon you, you, my friends, that it may abide in your hearts, even the Holy Spirit of promise, which other comforter is the same that I promised unto my disciples as it is recorded in the testimony of John. This comforter is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life, even the glory of the celestial kingdom. So what is this other comforter? He tells us it is the the Holy Spirit of promise, and so we can ask, well, what is the Holy Spirit of promise? And ask this. That's that. That would be, in essence, asking the same thing. But before we talk about that, the 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 thing that I love about this these verses is that this promise of eternal life that we can have this. He tells us he's going to give it to us. He's going to tell us more about it. We can learn from uh, Joseph Smith, for example, and I'll read a quote here in a moment what it is that we can have it and obtain it in this life. And to me, that's the powerful thing is that this promise of eternal life, we can feel that in this life. We don't have to wait until we die. We don't have to wait until the judgment day or the resurrection day. We can feel that promise and we can taste it. And you think of, you know, Lehi tasting the fruit from the tree and it was desirable and he wanted to share it with others. And the memory of that and the experience of tasting it is what drove him to look for his family, to bring others. And Alma talks about tasting of the fruit and tasting of the mercy and goodness of God. And that word taste is so, I think, important. Um, you know, we have different senses as as people, as humans. And you think of like tasting something or smelling something, that those can be so related to memories. Uh, and to me, when we feel this spirit, this other comforter, this Holy Spirit of promise, it's the promise of eternal life, but it's also us remembering something, remembering what it was like to be with God. And we feel that, and that spurs us on to, just like anything else in the gospel, it's self-perpetuating because you feel that, and then you want to keep your covenants even more. You want to grow, grow even closer uh, to to God and to, be, to feel that more and more. And then you will feel it more, which will drive you on and uh, onward and forward. Joseph Smith explained this um, other comforter by saying, There are two comforters spoken of. One is the Holy Ghost, the same given on the day of Pentecost, and the sa- all the saints receive after faith, uh, repentance, and baptism. 
Um, the other comforter, comforter spoken of as a subject of great interest and perhaps understood by few of this generation. After a person has faith in Christ, repents of his sins, and is baptized for the remission of his sins and receives the Holy Ghost, which is the first comforter, then let him continue to humble himself before God, hungering and thirsting after righteousness and living by every word of God. And the Lord will soon say unto him, Son, thou shalt be exalted. When the Lord has thoroughly proved him and finds that this man is determined to serve him at all hazards, then the man will find his calling and election made sure. Then it will be his privilege to receive the other comforter which the Lord has promised the saints, as recorded in the testimony of St. John. So it's as we make covenants, but then importantly, it's as we keep them and as we prove that we will keep them at the words that Joseph used were at all hazards. So no matter what, come what may and we'll love it. Come what may and we'll keep our covenants and be faithful and, and um, obedient. Well, then we'll receive this. Uh, as we make and keep sacred covenants through ordinances, we can receive this Holy Spirit of promise, this second comforter. And in fact, for our covenants and the ordinances that we undertake uh, to be in effect and full force, they need to be sealed by this Holy Spirit of promise. Section 132, for example, is one section that talk, that teaches us that. That it, um, in talking about the sealing ordinance specifically, but it applies to all ordinances, that has to have this seal of approval from the Holy Spirit of promise. And as that happens, and when does that happen? Not... Not at, not when we make the covenant. It's when we make it and keep it repeatedly over and over through time. Um, then we can feel that and we can have that taste, that glimpse into the eternities. And to me, if that was all that this section had, was this promise, was those verses about this and about keeping our covenants and what that can am amount to in terms of receiving this second comforter, then this section would be worthy of, of the name, uh, the olive leaf. This olive leaf plucked from, uh, from heaven and, and given to us because the peace that, that that can bring and the confidence and power from that knowledge. So verses 6 through 13, uh, the Lord discusses the light of Christ. Uh, just a side note. I won't get too much into some of the things uh, because in a couple weeks when we discuss section 93, I will talk more about the light of Christ. Uh, but Joseph Fielding Smith said, The light of Christ is not a personage. It has no body. Uh, it is the light by which the worlds are controlled. It fills the immensity of space and emanates from God. It is the light of the sun and all other bodies. It is the light which gives life to vegetation. It quickens the understanding of men and has these various functions. It is the light which is in all things, it giveth life to all things. It is the law by which all things are governed, even the power of God who sitteth upon the throne, who is in the bosom of eternity, who is in the midst of all things. The Lord has given to every man that cometh into the world the guidance of, of the light of truth, or the spirit of Jesus Christ. And if a man will hearken to this spirit, he will be led to, the, to truth and recognize it and accept it. If they refuse... Uh, to come unto him, then he calls them wicked and they are under the bondage of sin. It seems to me that when a person declares that he is satisfied with his religion and therefore does not care to investigate, it is evidence that he has not hearkened to the light of truth which was given him. 
else he would not have been satisfied with the false religion which he has and would be seeking the truth. So the light of Christ drives us to find truth, and it governs all things. It's this, um, it is truth itself. It is spirit. Anyway, uh, I told you I wasn't going to get into too much of this. We'll talk more about it in section 93, but what's important to know for now in this discussion is that it is not a personage, but that it is a power that um, is in the universe and in the world and are in, in, in all of God's creations that um, all men are given a, a portion of a of the light of Christ to help us from the beginning when we're born. Now, if we heed that light, we're given greater light. If we don't heed it, it can be extinguished in us and make it more difficult to discern truth from error. And that's its, and that's I think one of its main points and purposes in in the way that we use it here on Earth, is to help us discern between truth and falsehoods. So as I go through my notes, uh, as we move through the section, this is I've, and stop me if I, you've heard me say this before. It's an intimidating section to go through. It's very long. It's very doctrinally heavy. There's a lot. I mean, we just had this brief discussion on the light of Christ. There's way more to that. Um, the second comforter and the Holy Spirit of promise, way more to that. Uh, and so I will do my best to just share a few of the things. Just know that if you take the time this week, one of the, the studies that I helps that I use, one of the study help guides that I use, um, you know, typically is going to be like two or three pages per, per section. It's 10 for this section. Another study guide that I help my, is usually has like a chapter dedicated to, uh, you know, three to five sections of the Doctrine and Covenants. Well, this week's study has two entire chapters dedicated to it. And so, you know, based on what you're willing to put in this week, you will get out. There is truth to be had and knowledge um, to gain as you study this week. But like, I don't know, you don't need to get it all. You don't have to get it all right now. As you study and pray and ponder for you, the olive leaf will be given to you for the peace that you need right now. And that's always this fine line that I have to try to balance for myself and play here in, in doing this podcast and discussing this is I want to share all these things that I learned. There's so many things, but it's like, you know, what's relevant right now? What's relevant? What do I think will, will have an impact for you as the, the listener, um, whoever, and wherever you may be. So, we're going to jump ahead to verse 22. Uh, but just know that like there were, there's things in between verses 6 through 13, the light of Christ, and verse 22 that I have notes on. And that's going to happen. Um, verse 22 says, For he who is not able to abide the law of the celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial glory. We live the celestial law because it will prepare us for the celestial glory. When we're resurrected, we won't be surprised because it will be familiar. We'll be resurrected in a celestial body because we lived the celestial law. Um, James E. Talmadge said, The Lord has said that according to the laws we obey here shall we receive from him. We speak of rewards just as we speak of punishments, but rewards and punishments will come through the operation of law. The Lord has spoken illustrating that great truth by reference to what he had already revealed respecting the kingdoms or orders of glory to this effect. If a man cannot or will not obey celestial laws, that is, live in accordance with the celestial requirements, 
he must not think that it is discriminating that he is discriminated against when he is excluded from the celestial kingdom because he could not abide it. He could not live there. If a man cannot or will not obey the terrestrial law, he can't rationally hope for a place in the terrestrial kingdom. If he cannot live yet a lower law, the celestial law, he cannot, cannot abide the glory of a celestial kingdom. And so when we think of the laws that were given, the commandments were given, why does the Lord do things? Why does he ask us to make this covenant? Why does he ask us to keep this commandment? The answer is that the end of that is celestial. When you pick up one end of the stick, you also pick up the other. When you pick up the celestial law, you're picking up the celestial glory. If you can't pick up the celestial law, you can't pick up the celestial glory. <laughs> These things, and, and the whys to the gospel, the why of the atonement, the why of the law of consecration, of the gospel, of obedience, of any of these things is for the uh, perfecting of the saints. It's for the uh, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man so that we can receive celestial glory. That's the why. So when you think of programs in the church, well, what that is is that's man being guided by the Lord and interpreting the revelation and trying to apply that in practice. Why do we minister? Why is there the ministering program or why was there the home teaching program and now the ministering program? It's to help us live the celestial law so that we can abide the celestial glory. Quick note about verse 27. There's a difference between spirit body and spiritual body. Uh, A spirit body is like our spirit without a physical body. Spiritual body is a resurrected body uh, that has become spiritual in the, in the sense of being made holy. And so in verse 28, the Lord says, And they who are of celestial spirit shall receive the same body, which was a natural body. Even ye shall receive your bodies, and your glory shall be that glory of uh, by which your bodies are quickened. So if you live the celestial glory, you're going to be resurrected in the celestial in a celestial body. So you'll know, hey, look, I'm going to the celestial kingdom because that's the body I got. But you don't have to wait to know. How do you know that? You start living the celestial law now. You have it sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, verses three through five, and you come to to taste that promise of this of eternal life right now. Elder Elder L. Tom Perry said. Surely there would be an obvious difference between one who is attempting to conduct his life as though he were a citizen of the kingdom of God and one who is conducting his life by the standards made by man. When a person determines to live a higher law, there should be a visible difference, a marked change in his appearance, his actions, the way he treats others, and the way he serves his fellow men and his God. The scriptures are full of dramatic changes which occurred in the lives of individuals when they were converted to living the law of the Lord. There should be a difference when we're living that law. When we're keeping our covenants, if we want to have this this stamp of approval, this Holy Spirit of promise, if we if we want to be able to abide the celestial glory, there should be a difference in us now that we can tell, that others can tell. What entertainment do we indulge in? What language do we use? It should be different than the world's, because the world's way is not God's way. The world's thoughts are not God's thoughts. Even as the heavens are higher than the earth, his ways and his thoughts are higher. 
And so too should ours strive to be higher, to be on that plane with him. Now, that's where the atonement of Jesus Christ comes in and why we rely on him. Because we can't elevate to that level. But he descended below it all so that he could raise us to that level. And so he can, and we can. Because he did that, we can be we are enabled to raise that uh, to that level. And as we start to understand this, and we start to understand doctrine, when you have doctrine and it's understood, what that means is there will be a change. That's the why. That's why the Lord wants us to understand truth. It's why we study scripture. It's so that we can come to understand doctrine because then it will change us. We'll have a desire to change. We'll seek to change. We'll ask him for help changing through the the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And to me, this is one of the the, the biggest things I got out of this week's study was that this, this right there, that why. And how does it apply to my life? How does this section apply to my life it's it's about doing things for the right reason it's about doing things because i want to change it's as um elder robert l simpson said the best reason of all is illustrated by the person who feels the desire to do right because he wants to add glory to his father in heaven as we start to understand true doctrine that's what we get to we understand that his work and his glory is to bring to pass the eternal life, uh, the immortality and eternal life of man. And so by choosing to do right, by choosing to be obedient, by living the celestial law and preparing for celestial glory, well, his His work and his glory are fulfilled. We add to his glory by our obedience. And what higher praise and what higher way of worship is there than that? than to bring honor and glory and to fill, fulfill the work of our God. Verses 51 through 61, the uh, Lord gives a parable. And uh summarize what Elder Orson Pratt said about this parable. The Lord gives parables so that we can understand things in our way. Uh, it's about a man who leaves and comes back. Uh, and, he, and he leaves and goes and visits his different fields. Elder Pratt said, you know what that is? Guess what? We're not the only planet that the Lord created. And so he visits and he, um, in their time and their season. Um, but he is the Lord of all of these fields. And so he cares for all of them. And his presence can be and will be had with all of them. Uh, verses 63 through 83. Um Tell us about some of the things that we can do to receive peace, to be obedient, to have the peace that is meant from this olive leaf given to us. Uh, We'll finish up this episode by just going um, to verse 73, um, and then we'll pick up uh, from there in the next episode. But just know that sections 63 through 83 contain quite a few actions that we can take. Um, And this isn't the only place that there are specific actions in this section, but there are quite a few kind of uh, consolidated into those uh, verses. Verses 62 through 65 talk about prayer and what, uh, and proper prayer really, and pleading and asking what is right. 
but asking, seeking, knocking. And here again, the Lord tells us, you want, you're going to have a, you can have this Holy Spirit of promise. He starts off with that. It'll, that will give you the promise of eternal life. I'm going to give you that. You're going to live these laws and you're going to prepare you to receive the celestial glory by living the celestial law. What is that going to prepare you for? For receiving everything. He talks about mysteries. He talks about things we can't understand. The parable can even be difficult to understand. But what he does promise us is that if you ask, if you seek, if you knock, you will receive. It's the message that we've talked about throughout this entire year's study of the Doctrine and Covenants. And to me, it culminates. In verse 68, he says, Therefore sanctify yourselves that your minds become single to God, and the days will come that you shall see him. For he will unveil his face unto you. The whole reason for the gospel, for praying, for asking, for seeking, for knocking, for living the, the, the celestial law is to prepare us to see the face of God. That's it. That's why. And he promises us that we will. That is the end of it. That's the point of it. That's the point of the atonement of Christ. That's why he came and suffered. That's why he died. It's why he was resurrected. And he promises us that here in section 88, verse 68. And as we draw near unto him, we pray and we seek and we ask in the right ways. There are many who call upon the Lord only because they need it in desperation. But prayer is for us to draw near to him so that we can be prepared to see his face. He doesn't want us to look at what we say or how often we say or how eloquent our prayer is, how long they are, if they're rhyming and poetic, if we have a sweet voice when we pray or the logic that we're praying with. No, what he wants is for us to connect with him. That's the purpose of prayer. Because it is what? It's an outgrowth of the purpose of everything. It's to prepare us to meet him, to see him. And he says, If your eye be single to my glory, your whole body shall be filled with light. Here's this light again. If we're looking at him now in this life, right now, if our goal and our whole uh, I be single, as he says, then we'll be filled with light right now, and that light is truth, it is understanding. And if we're filled with light now, if our bodies are full of, full of light, then when the time comes, our bodies will be turned to that light. It will be, they will be raised in celestial glory. But it's now. It's about connecting with God now. It's about preparing now and living the celestial law. That's what this section to me is about. And it's about the promises that come from doing that. And that's why it is an olive leaf. Here's the promise right here for you. Here's what I have in store for you. Eternal life and there is none, no greater gift. Section 14 of the Doctrine and Covenants tells us the greatest gift is eternal life. Section 88. He told, he told Joseph Smith that back in section 14. Here in section 88, he says, here's my promise of that gift, and here's how you do it. Here's how you prepare. 
Here's why I'm going to ask you to do the things that I'm going to ask you to do. Because the end of it is you seeing me and being with me. And and we'll talk more about this in the next episode, but we do, I mean, you got to jump ahead to see this. Verse 107 tells us, not only see him and be with him, and it says, and then shall the angels be crowned with the glory of his might, and the saints shall be filled with his glory and receive their their inheritance and made and be made equal with him. That's the why. There you go. Be with him. See him. Be like him. It's the why. He says, this, this is my promise to you, and here's what you're going to do to get it. Thanks for joining me in this episode. I hope you'll join me next episode as we continue. Uh, verses uh, in section set, or 88 we'll, we'll pick up in verse 74 uh, and go through the end of the section thank you and enjoy